Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. We don't have to look back very far in history to find instances of major structural failure in buildings, bridges, dams. If you look back in our recent history, uh, we find just that. We find some buildings that uh, because of uh, building codes weren't upheld because of uh, improper materials used or improper techniques in building that some of these structures suffered catastrophic failure. And even though from the outside, that building or that that bridge or that that dam may have looked like it was all right, internally something was going on. Internally there was corrosion. Internally there was a weakness. Internally there was strain that was going on. And then ultimately when put to the test and some stress came upon it at just the right time in just the right way, what seemed like a very moderate or small amount of stress for what the structure was, you find that failure happened. Can I just tell you that in the life of a Christian, that unforgiveness can do just that. Unforgiveness can eat away inside of us, can corrode the the internal structure of our lives. And on the outside, we may look fine. But on the inside, we are subject to that weakness, that strain, that damage. And ultimately, it could be a catastrophic failure that results in harm to us, harm to other people. Now, whenever we talk about unforgiveness, I think probably all of us have experienced that at some point in time. Now, I know uh, I say Probably, I'll say probably everybody or, or most everybody has struggled with forgiveness at some point in time. Now, I've met a few people in my life that just don't seem to have a problem with forgiveness. They say, oh, it's okay. I just, I, I, just, I just forgive very, very freely, very, very easily. And if you are one of those people, God love your heart. Uh, God has get, just given you a special measure of mercy and grace, and that is a wonderful thing. But for most people, we struggle with forgiveness. We struggle to extend forgiveness. Let me, let me give you a few things and see if this sounds familiar to you. Whenever you harbor unforgiveness towards someone and it grows into that sense of bitterness, whenever someone mentions that person's name immediately, you're like, Ugh. you been there? Or maybe, or maybe you see that person and they're just going about their daily business And everything that person does annoys you. You don't like the way they they walk. You don't like the way they dress. You don't like the way they talk. You don't like what they talk about. And they may not be doing anything at all. In fact, they may be completely oblivious to the fact that you are withholding that forgiveness. I remember one point in time in my life, I had harbored such a sense of unforgiveness towards someone that I could see a vehicle that reminded me of that person's vehicle. And it would just get all over me. One time I even cut someone off in traffic. It wasn't even the person, but they were driving a similar vehicle. It was like guilty by association. And you say, that's silly. Really? 
We've probably all been in places like that. I was reading over the last week, I was reading some quotes, and I won't, I won't give these quotes to you. You can, uh, just a cursory search of the internet, you'll be able to find these. But I looked at a list of quotes from medical professionals who talked about the physical damage. And these were not Christian doctors who were writing this. The physical damage that can occur when we harbor unforgiveness. Damage to our heart. Damage to the immune system. There were 57, one writer talked about 57 instances of a cancer patient. Now, mind you, I'm not saying all cancer is caused by unforgiveness. That's not what I'm saying. But in 57 of cases, documented cases, people had a terminal disease or had terminal cancer and they chose because they realized they had such a short time left they choose chose to extend forgiveness let go of anger and bitterness and in those 57 cases the tumors actually shrank because unforgiveness holding on to unforgiveness can do such incredible physical damage to us but not only that it can do incredible spiritual damage Listen to this quote by Neil Anderson. Most of the ground that Satan gains in the lives of Christians is due to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, it's been said, is drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And that's what we do. We harbor that unforgiveness. We are the snake that eats its own tail. We are the person who believes we are keeping someone captive, but we ourselves have locked ourselves in the jail cell. We're the people who believe by not forgiving, I'm going to hurt this other person. And in doing so, we're turning those daggers back upon ourselves and raking ourselves over those fires of the offense time and time and time again, reliving it. When you start thinking about unforgiveness, unforgiveness is reliving that offense again and again and again and again and again, yet wanting to be free of it. And wanting to be free of it by reliving it again and again and again and not releasing that other person. But in doing so, we find that we're actually keeping ourselves more captive than we're keeping them captive. So what does the Bible say about forgiveness? Well, there's a very well-known passage that's found in Matthew chapter 18. We're going to start with verse 21. And we're going to look at what does the Bible say about forgiveness. The first thing we find is this. We owed a debt to God that we could never repay. We owed a debt to God that we could never repay. Look at verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, some of you have heard the story about a uh, I've shared it from the pulpit before of a, a young lady that I taught a number of years ago. And I remember that we were, I was teaching a class and one of the kids made some comment toward her and she pulled out a little notebook and she jotted something down. And I said, what you got over there? And she said, oh, this is my forgiveness list. She said, every time somebody offends me, she said, I write down their name and then I put a check mark out beside their name. And, uh, and then I just keep adding check marks if they continue to offend me. And I said, why are you doing that? And she said, well, Jesus said 70 times 7, that's 490. I figure once I reach 490, I don't have to forgive him anymore. So that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying there an innumerable innumerable number of times. The leading rabbis of the day said that you only had to forgive someone three times. So it appears that Peter took the three times that were recommended 
doubled it, added another three, and then threw in one more for good measure and said, what about seven? Surely that's a lot. And Jesus said, no, that's still not enough. It's an innumerable number of times. Notice what he says. He gives a parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. So Jesus tells the story. He tells the parable of a man who owed a king 10,000 talents. Now, if you look that up, there are various ways of figuring that with the market price of silver and everything else. I've seen it up in the millions and millions of dollars. But the idea is not specifically the number. The idea is it is an amount that based on a common workman's wages, this man would never be able to pay that debt back. It was an impossible debt to pay. And he begs the king and says, I'll pay you everything. Just don't throw me in debtor's prison. I'll pay everything. But the king has mercy and forgives him. We owe God a debt. And we can never repay that debt. God, God forgave us so great a debt. In our sin, in our rebellion, in our, in our, our rejection, in our going our own way, in all of this, God forgave us the debt of sin that we had that we owed him. We can never repay that debt. Listen to Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. God paid the ultimate price that is the blood of his own son to secure our forgiveness. And notice it says that he did it according to the riches of his grace. We don't have that ability. We don't have that spiritual wealth we can draw on and say, oh God, I owe you this. Let me, let me pull from my reservoir. Let me pull from my reserve. Let me pull from my spiritual bank account and settle up with you. No, we can never repay that debt. Yet God paid the price, which is the blood of his son. And notice verse eight, which he lavished upon us. He poured it out upon us. He gave it to us over abundantly. He, he slathered it on us, right? It's like when you get a biscuit and you lavish butter upon it, right? That's a good thing. He lavished this grace upon us. He lavished these gifts of his, of his riches, of his grace upon us. And notice what it says, in all wisdom and insight, he knew what he was doing. It wasn't that God said, oh, I forgave them and I really didn't know what all I was forgiving them of. Oh, that got past me. No, he knows exactly what he's doing. And in wisdom and insight, he lavished us with these things. It wasn't a haphazard thing. It was directed. So we now owe a debt and we have this debt that we owe to God. We can never repay that debt. In Luke chapter 7, 
Jesus is, is having dinner with a Pharisee, and a prostitute shows up. And, and Simon is there, and, and Simon, who this, this Pharisee, is getting really uncomfortable by this whole thing, and getting uncomfortable by how this, this prostitute is just, is just lavishing her, her affection upon Jesus, not in some, not in some sinful way, but just, just, just showing what his grace and his mercy means to her. And Simon gets really uncomfortable, and Jesus looks at Simon. You find in Luke chapter 7, verse 40, and Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Jesus says, a certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Jesus making it a point. Simon, you, you, you got sin in your life, but this woman has all these things going on. It's right for her to show this degree of thankfulness. It's right for her to show this degree of, this degree of gratitude because she loves me a whole lot more because she understands the debt that has been paid by the blood. Listen, when you really understand, when you get a good, long, hard look at yourself and you start seeing the debt that you owe to God and you start seeing everything that you have been forgiven of and you get a glimpse of the holiness of God, then it becomes incredibly hard to withhold forgiveness to someone else because you realize how great a debt you have been forgiven. And whenever we say, well, I'm not going to forgive because I'm not like them, I'm not this, I'm not that, then we're in the place of Simon sitting there at the table with Jesus. And we're in a place where we have to say, I don't recognize the depth of my own sin. Therefore, Jesus, I don't, I, I don't, I don't love you in that way because I don't recognize the grace that you have shown to me. We have to recognize that we owe a debt to God that we could never repay. We also have to realize this, forgiving others will cost us. It always does. Forgiving others will cost us, but not as much as our forgiveness costs Christ. Forgiving others, it's going to cost. It always does, but it will never cost us what it cost Christ. Look at verse 28. But when that same servant, that same servant who was forgiven 10,000 talents, when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. It's about a hundred days wages. It's still a large amount, but it's payable. It's nowhere near 10,000 talents. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. The same thing that this servant said to the master, to the king. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had had mercy on on you. Do you see what happened? The 10,000 talent debt cost the king a great deal. That servant who 
wanted to be paid by that other servant, the hundred denarii that he owed him, was nowhere near that amount. And in the same way, the debt that we, that other people owe us, or the, the unforgiveness that we sometimes want to show others, because we want to withhold that forgiveness, and God tells us to forgive, just like this servant, we have to understand if we extend forgiveness, yes, it's going to cost. It always, always does. But it's not going to cost us 10,000 talents. Because the price that the king had to pay, the price that the king chose to pay for us to eliminate that debt is far greater than anything that we are going to pay in forgiving someone else. Always. Always. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Don't you wish that must wasn't there? Don't you you wish it was something like, so so it would also be a good idea if you would forgive? No. So you must forgive. God gave us the example of what it means to forgive. And then we follow that example. Uh, You find the same thing mentioned, the essential idea in Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We're to forgive other people just as God forgave us. That's, that's it. That's the biblical mandate. So if I say, well, I'm not going to, not only am I saying I'm not going to do what the Bible says, but I'm also saying I don't want to be like God. I don't want to be like Jesus. I don't want to follow his example. I want to sit and stew in my unforgiveness, and I want to hold on to that because I don't want to do what the Bible clearly says. Now, I said forgiveness will cost you. Listen, forgiveness is going to cost you. There's no doubt about it. In fact, forgiveness will require you in the short term to hurt more. It will. Because you'll have to absorb that. You'll have to absorb it and say, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to release it. I'm going to let it go. In fact, that's what the very word means. Forgive. It, it, that, that for at the beginning, that for is a, a little prefix that indicates the idea of completeness. So you completely give. In the oldest way of viewing it, it's to completely give up on seeking vengeance or seeking to get things or make things right yourself. That's what the idea is. You forgive. You completely give it up. You completely give it over. Just as God completely forgave us, completely dealt with our sin, so too that's how we are to do You find in Luke chapter 6, verse 35, it doesn't just extend to our brothers, 
our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also our enemies. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. And I know we say, well, I can't love my enemies. Jesus did. Because everybody in this room, if you're a follower of Christ, you were once an enemy of Christ. If you're, if you're not a follower of Christ, biblically speaking, you're still at odds with Jesus. But every single one of us was an enemy of Christ. Oh, no, not me. I've always loved Jesus. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. We are all enemies. When we were his enemies, when we, were at, we had enmity toward God, God loved us. God loved his enemies. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. That's where we were before Christ. That's it. So if we have received this gift of grace, then we owe others a debt of love. That's just the way it is. Now, this is exactly what the king says in verse 33. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Just as God has mercy on us, we are to show that mercy to others. Now, let's go ahead and let's, let's talk about the hard part, okay? I know you're saying the hard part. It gets harder wait Dustin come on look at look at Romans 12 19 beloved never avenge yourselves but leave it to the wrath of God for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord you know what forgiveness is forgiveness is not only the means by which we can be set free from the offense but forgiveness itself is an act of trust in God forgiveness is saying I don't have to try to make this right I don't have to seek vengeance on this person. I don't have to try to work things out to make them pay. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So God is the one who avenges. God is the one who disciplines. God is the one who sets it right. There have been people in my life that have done things, said things, and I thought, you know what? I could do this or that, and I could get back at them. Or I could just say this or that, or I could, I, could, I could do this and I could undermine them here. or I could. But instead, why not do exactly what the Bible says? You know, God, this is yours. Ultimately, the offense is toward you. I never wrote a moral law. I never, I don't have a, the, the Ten Commandments of Dustin. I don't have any of that. No, God, it's your law that's been, it's your law that has been rejected. It's you who has been offended. And so, therefore, it's yours. I can forgive. It's an act of trust. Now, let me go ahead and say, some people will say, well, no, if I, if I do that, then what if they do it again? And what if I put myself in the position where they're going to do it again? Okay, can I, can I just tell you, forgiveness doesn't mean that you always put yourself in, back in the same position to be hurt in the same way again. I mean, there are people that, in my life that are just hurtful. They're just mean, spiteful, and hurtful. So you know what I, you know, and, after, and I forgive them, but at the same time, there comes a point that you go, you know what? I don't need that. So you just find some opportunity to not have an opportunity to be exposed to that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all, right? I mean, you know, and, I, and I've talked to people. I've had people come to me and talk to me, sit down in my office, not just here, but over the years and come and they say, there's this person and they just keep calling and they keep harassing me. And I was like, block their number. 
This is easy. Well, I can't do that. What if, what if that offends them? What if that offends them? They're harassing you left and right, always complaining, always mocking, always having some issue. They're never satisfied. Block them. Well, I just don't think I could block them. Well, well then, then put, change their name. Like, do not answer, right? It pops up, do not answer. Don't just don't answer it. Just don't answer it. What if, and then they go back to, well, what if they're offended? What if they're offended? They're just calling and harassing you all the time. You don't have to expose yourself to that, for goodness sake. But the idea is that it doesn't mean that we step right back into the same situation and say, well, here I am. I'm just going to expose myself to all that, you know, I'm going to subject myself to all that verbal abuse and all that negativity and all that stuff again. No, no, not at all. Not at all. That's just called, okay, can I tell you what it's called biblically? That's called good sense, right? Just don't, don't, don't get in there, right? But the idea is that we practice an act of trust whenever we forgive someone. Now, I know right about this time there's somebody that says, but wait, you don't know what they did. You don't know how egregious their offense was. You don't know how much that hurt. All right, you, you, you just... You just don't know. And if I forgive them, then what I'm doing is I am minimizing that person's sin. So by holding on to this unforgiveness, I am showing exactly how deep their sin toward me was. And if I extend forgiveness, I am minimizing that person's sin. That's what I'm doing. Let me just ask, because I've had people tell me that over the years, and I'll just tell you what my question back to them always is. And the question, if that's going on in your mind, what the question is for you today, would you say the same thing about the cross? Would you say, Jesus, your cross minimizes my sin? The fact, Jesus, that you offered forgiveness to me minimizes my sin. How could you do that, Jesus? How could you minimize my sin? No, we don't want to say that. But we act as though someone else's offense toward us is greater than the offense that we were giving God and the offense that he sent his son to die on the cross for. If we, we have to be fair. If we say forgiving someone of a lesser sin toward us, if we say forgiving them of some wrong or some offense, if we say that, that is something I'm going to withhold because to forgive would be to minimize their sin, then you have to rightly by the same logic say the cross minimizes our sin no the cross shows us exactly how severe our sin is and god extends that grace and that mercy to us so forgiving others it's going to cost it's not going to cost as much as our forgiveness cost christ and then finally the price of withholding forgiveness is greater than the price of extending forgiveness the price of withholding forgiveness is greater than the price of extending forgiveness. Look at what happens in the parable, verse 34. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And then Jesus shifts from the parable to the application. Look at verse 35. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Wait a minute what if we don't forgive our brother or sister 
from your heart, not just I'm just saying the words, from your heart, this is what our Heavenly Father will do? That's what Jesus says. The price of withholding forgiveness is greater than the price of extending forgiveness. We somehow think by holding on to unforgiveness and withholding that forgiveness from someone else that, oh, they're going to pay a really big price. No, we're the ones who are paying the big price. It's like we've taken burning coals and, and, and we're hugging them. And they're just burning and just burning and burning and burning. And we just keep holding on all the tighter. And it's just burning us alive inside. Yet to release that, to extend that forgiveness... That costs less than withholding it. Listen to Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Similar passage in Mark 11 Verse 25, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Now, wait a minute. We look at these passages and we say, wait, that, that seems to indicate that Jesus says if we withhold forgiveness from someone else, he withholds forgiveness from us. Now, I've heard some very elaborate theological hoop jumping to try to explain this. I heard one guy one time say, well, here, here's the idea. It's like, if you, if you don't offer forgiveness and you live with an attitude of unforgiveness, then that shows that you don't know what true forgiveness is. And if you don't know what true forgiveness is, that means you've never truly experienced Christ's forgiveness. And if you never truly experienced Christ's forgiveness, that means that you are still in sin and separated from God. And so if you're in sin and separated from God and you're unwilling to come to him and repent and confess, then that means that God can't forgive you because you're not asking for forgiveness. And that's what he's talking about here. That, that seems like an awful long way to go to get to some point to eliminate the difficulty or not even the difficulty, but the hard saying of what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is this. I don't believe he's saying all of that. Otherwise he would have said all that. He would have just said, if you don't forgive other people, that means that you truly don't know God. Get right with my father. But he doesn't say that. He says, if you do not forgive others your trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses, so that your father also who is in heaven, Mark 11, may forgive you you, your trespasses. The idea is this, and I know how hard this is to hear. I know how hard this is to read. And we say, that just can't be right. This is just what the Bible says. That when we withhold that forgiveness from someone else, then that is a block for us to receive the daily forgiveness of our sins that God would forgive us of. So that means if I am withholding forgiveness from someone else, that means I'm going to be out of fellowship with God because I'm not going to be clean. I'm not going to be clean before God. There's going to be something between me and God always, as long as I'm withholding that forgiveness. And then, that, and then there's some other sin Maybe I'm, I, I get greedy or you get angry or you do something like this and you go before God and you say, God, please forgive me of that sin. But he doesn't. Because we, he is, there's a block that's taking place because of our unforgiveness toward other people. That's how serious God the Father takes unforgiveness. That we may be walking around 
with unforgiven sin, unforgiven daily sin, because we are unwilling to forgive someone else. And according to the words of Jesus, if we don't forgive, we're turned over to the torturers, so to speak. We are locked in that prison. And according to Matthew chapter 6 and Mark chapter 11, God does not forgive our daily trespasses. He doesn't give us that daily cleansing that we seek if we are withholding forgiveness from others. That's a serious, serious problem. The price of withholding forgiveness is greater than the price of extending forgiveness. And I'll just be honest with you. Over the years, I've looked at these verses multiple different ways, trying to come up with some way where I can keep holding on to unforgiveness and at the same time be forgiven of everything else and be in right relationship, right walk with God. And based upon the words of Jesus, I don't see it. I don't see there's any any theological hoop we can jump through and make Scripture march to the beat of our own personal preferential drum. No. If we're withholding forgiveness from someone else, that is affecting my walk with God. I don't want anything to stand in the way of me hearing clearly from God or me walking closely with God. And you may say, but you don't understand. I can't forgive them. Can I just tell you from personal experience, that is not a can't. It is I won't. It's not a can't. It's not an impossibility. It's not. If Jesus can forgive us, can I tell you, you forgiving someone else is not an impossibility. It is something that we have said, I just can't do it. No, what we really mean is, I won't do it. What I'm really saying is, and I've been there, okay? I have been there. I can't do that, God. Based on his word, yeah, you can, you just won't. Is there somebody in your life that you've not extended forgiveness toward that you need to forgive? Can I just tell you, there are probably some of you in this room, group this size, I know there is. There's somebody in this room that you have been harboring unforgiveness against somebody who has been long dead and gone. And you've been hanging on to that hurt, and you've been hanging on to those words, and you've been hanging on to the, those things that you heard them say, and the things that they did, and, and you need to be able to say, and you go, how am I going to forgive them? They're gone. You can still forgive them. You're still hanging on to it. Because you realize even that, that person may have moved on, passed away, maybe long gone, may not even be thinking about that offense. And if you're hanging on to it, you have to extend forgiveness. You have to. If you're going to be free, if you like sitting in the jail cell, being the snake that eats its own tail and holding hot coals against your chest, burning yourself alive and drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die, be my guest. But I don't want to do that. Because I've been there, and I've done that, and that's miserable. I don't want to do that. I got to thinking this morning. I got up, and I was thinking, because I knew I was going to preach on this. I've been thinking about this for the last three weeks or so. And I remember, I just, this morning, I got up, and I was just thinking, is there anybody that I have not extended forgiveness toward? And you know what? God brought a couple of people to mind from, like, way back. I was like, goodness, I hadn't even thought about that. But I was. And I can honestly say, as of right now, as of right now, I, I, I'm, I'm free of that, all right? Now, I know some of you may come up after service and may say something, and I'll have to start all over again, but <laughs> I'm kidding. But, but the, point, the point is, you want to be free. 
But the weight of freedom is not hanging on to what is enslaving you. That's not the way to freedom. That's not what Jesus says. Listen to Hebrews 12, 14. Strive for peace with everyone. Now, we strive for peace. Does that mean we always do it? Does that mean that it always works out? No, but we, we strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Whenever I'm harboring unforgiveness, when I'm withholding forgiveness, I'm essentially digging a little hole and I'm planting a little root of bitterness and I'm watering it and I'm tending to it and I'm fertilizing it and I'm letting it grow. And that root of bitterness will ultimately lead to fruit of bitterness. And that fruit of bitterness, it's by which many become defiled. It's not just going to hurt you, it's going to hurt people around you. It's going to affect your whole life. It's going to affect your walk with Christ, for goodness sake. And then we have 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. If there's something between us and God, we can go before God and say, God, forgive me. You know what? So many times I find in my life that I, I have to offer forgiveness and say, God, I forgive them. And then I have to say, and God, forgive me for withholding that forgiveness. Forgive me for the sin of unforgiveness. That's exactly what it is. Forgive me, God, for my sin of unforgiveness toward those people or that person. Please forgive me. And he is faithful to forgive us, and he's faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can be free of whatever that offense is, but it's going to cost you in the short term. It's not going to cost you nearly as much as it will cost you in the long term. And if you've never received Christ as your Savior, then you're, you're locked in a different kind of cell altogether. You're locked in the jail cell of sin. And he paid the price. He paid the ultimate penalty. Our, our death, our rightful death, he paid that price by his blood by dying on a cross for our sins. And then being buried and he rose again on the third day. We were saying about this earlier. Showing that that sacrifice was accepted. And he freely offers that gift of salvation to us if we will receive it. He freely offers his forgiveness if we come to him in true repentance and faith. Saying, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe what you say about my sin. I believe I'm in need of a Savior. And I choose this day to follow you. He will forgive. And if you are harboring unforgiveness and you're withholding forgiveness from someone, can I just tell you, Christ in you can give you the power to forgive those other people. How do I know this? Because the power of Christ is what forgave us. And if his spirit is living within us, then we can't sit and say, I can't forgive them. No, if I surrender to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and surrender to the truth of the word of God, I not only can forgive, I will forgive. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning as we come before you, I know this is very difficult for so many of us. These are difficult truths. Things that we cling to, things that we hang on to, things that, that we, we take so close to ourselves and in doing so, they end up harming us. So Father, I pray if there's anybody here this morning, 
anybody listening or watching who has been harboring unforgiveness. They've been withholding forgiveness from somebody. Father, I pray that today would be the day that they would choose to forgive. By your spirit, by your power, they would choose to forgive and be set free. And trust you as an act of trust, as an act of faith. Trust that if something needs to be dealt with, you'll deal with it. But Father, I pray that that some here this morning may find healing. They may find peace. They may find a, a refreshed walk with you because there won't be anything in the way now. Father, I pray that you would do just that. I pray for anybody here this morning that needs to make a spiritual decision to follow Christ. Father, I pray today would be the day that they would seek that great forgiveness, the forgiveness that rivals all other forgiveness, the price that is greater than any other price for forgiveness that has ever or will ever be paid, and that is the blood of Christ. Father, I pray that they would, this morning, that they would boldly make that decision to follow you. Father, I pray now that you would go before each one of us And when we're tempted to withhold forgiveness, when we're tempted to plant that root of bitterness, when we are tempted to to drink that poison and, and watch expectantly for the other person to hurt, Father, I pray that you would bring your words back to the forefront of our mind and by your spirit you would bring deep conviction and that we would speedily repent and turn toward you so that our sins may be forgiven. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.